This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Well, time now for us to catch up with our good friends at Orokanui Eco Sanctuary. Taylor Davies Colley, one of the education team, joins us on the line. Morena, good to have you with us, Taylor. Jeff. It's good to be here. Taylor, I just wanted to check in uh, with a bit of rain having arrived over the last uh, few days. One would imagine that that's made a little bit of a difference around the place. Uh, I know the experts are saying not enough for us to be um, satisfied that we're past any concern of potential drought. But uh, just in terms of how things look up at the eco-sanctuary, when you get a bit of rain like this after a very dry period, uh, what do you notice? Well, yeah, over the next few days, it'll be interesting. We'll probably see, now that we're in autumn, we'll probably see some fungi start to sprout from the ground. Um, autumn is, is the best time of year to, to look for fungi. And so whenever we get this kind of prolonged, kind of, I suppose, good weather, nice dry weather, and then a big rainfall event like that, you tend to get stuff sprouting out of the ground because... The fruiting bodies of fungi are really live fast, die young. They want those conditions to be right, so as soon as they are, they just burst out, spread their spores around, and then they'll be it for them. But in saying that as well, um, because the sanctuary is a cloud forest, we actually haven't been that dry over that side of the hill compared to what the town is like, compared to what her gardens is like. Um, that sea fog that we get up in the sanctuary has kept us a little bit wetter than the rest of Dunedin. Oh, well, that's interesting. Well, the the mycologists will be getting all excited then about the potential for lots of uh, fungal growth uh, over the next little while. And, and, and I suppose that's another thing that, that you notice too, that uh, people have their own kind of particular areas of interest and expertise. And so from time to time, you do get people who look forward to certain times of year and certain times of activity at the eco-sanctuary. Oh, absolutely. I think that's one of the, the the brilliant things about Aurukanui and places like that is that it is a really seasonal place, you know, and for some people who might have particular passions for native flowers or, you know, fungi, you know, coming at certain times of year is, is really important to kind of hitting those sweet spots. So, yeah, I imagine we'll get um, some of the uh, fungal enthusiasts up in the next couple of months. <laughs> Um, now, just having a look at uh, some posts on the Orokanui Eco Sanctuary Facebook page, Taylor, and I see that uh, this will be part of uh, uh, your province, I guess. But um, you know, the the fact that you've got some great resources that you've created through the Eco Sanctuary, you're making them or some of them available directly online through the website. Absolutely. So uh, you know, we're we're really lucky to have a. a pretty talented team in terms of resource creation and a lot of the, that art and those resources was drawn by one of our staff members, Madison Kelly. So we're, we've are we created those resources and, and we're just sitting on them at the moment. So we thought, well, let's chuck them on our website and then anyone can download them and if, you know, if you've got kids bought at home, you know, you can work with them. If you've got a class at your school that you want to do some activities with on a rainy day, they're there. Um, and they're just really good things to, as well, that we can recommend to groups that uh, have already planned a visit up to Aurukanui or have done a visit to do some reinforced stuff. So hopefully with time we'll, we'll get even more stuff up there, but at the moment there's a good number of, uh, of fun things to do. You get plenty of visitors there um, for all sorts of reasons. Uh, there's been a post online that the STEM Communication Trust and the Targa Deaf community can benefit from. Yeah, absolutely. We um, that was a really cool partnership where 
the Otago Deaf community came up and they made a video about uh, biodiversity in Aotearoa and featuring some of the wildlife of the sanctuary. Some people recognise uh, particularly some of our tart here in that video and actually included some of the signs for those wildlife, which was actually a really cool thing because I, I hadn't seen the signs for some of those animals. And I personally, I absolutely loved the one for Taki here, which was to make sort of a Taki here foot with your three fingers, your sort of index, middle and uh, ring finger, and in both hands, and then kind of do a sort of a, a, a Taki here walking movement with your hands to sign for these birds. Nice. Um, so like any language, developing all the time, right? Absolutely. Um, how are all the young ones doing? We speak often with Tahu about uh, the, all the babies. She's very excited about those always. Um, uh, and uh, through February, we saw many of them fledging. What's the activity like at the moment? Well, I tell you what, if you're up there in the morning at the moment, there are so many juvenile kaka at the feeders. Um, we're seeing great big groups. And as you can imagine with any group of youngsters, it's quite the raucous and it is quite entertaining to watch these young birds uh, play around in the trees and do juvenile behaviour. So, you know, kaka are really intelligent animals. And because of that, we do see really distinct uh, sort of childish behaviour in the young birds where they're kind of hanging upside down yelling at each other and chasing each other around and then you do kind of observe the older birds amongst them being a bit more sort of reserved uh, so there are lots of young kaka around of course our taki hair chicks are growing and growing and growing and they're getting almost as big as their parents now they've still got a little bit of a way to go but they are mostly there and you can still only tell the difference mostly because they're colour now and then there's lots of other little fledglings around. I've been noticing lots of uh, kakaruai robins, quite a few tui still have their kind of juvenile plumage. And then I think my favourite at the moment, though, has to be if I look closely, and if you, if anyone up there is walking around on a nice day and looks closely at the sides of the tracks, they might even see juvenile grass skinks, which are absolutely tiny little live-born skinks that are now running around the sanctuary. And they're maybe only about five centimetres long. They're really, really tiny. Yeah, I wanted to touch on the reptiles. Um, many of us are used to, to spotting the, the, the skinks basking on, on the rocks there, the special enclosure for them. Um, but the post on your Facebook page um, in recent days talks about uh, some no nocturnal geckos, which actually have been spotted during the daytime. Absolutely. So... You know, we have a lot of nocturnal wildlife at Autokanoe that people don't get to see that much, and sometimes things do come out during the day. So things like those corridor geckos are a nocturnal species. They're mostly foraging around at night um, on a warm night. But when individuals are pregnant and they need a little bit of extra boost to kind of develop those embryos inside them, they'll actually bask during the day, which is a really cool behaviour. But they are so cryptic in the way they do it. Unlike the skinks that kind of sit up on top of the rock proudly and take in that sun, the geckos are really sneaky and they find kind of a little crack in the rocks where the sun's coming in, but they can still be very well hidden. And their beautiful camouflage makes them so tricky to spot. But if you are walking around the sanctuary and looking at any of the rock piles, or even someone saw some the other day uh, just playing, actually fighting, 
and some cabbage tree to coca leaves on the ground. So these animals definitely are out there for keen observers if you've got an eye out for them. Yeah, and I guess that's uh, one of the reasons we should give ourselves plenty of time when visiting the eco-sanctuary, just to slow down a bit and train your eye in, not just to what you can obviously see so immediately and all the activities of the birds at the feeders and so forth, but start training your eye on the ground and around you and the surrounds. You never know quite what you might see. 100%. It's, it's always one of those things that, you know, there is always more to see. And, you know, the slower you go, the more you'll see. You could stop and look at a section of the, the side of the track, and the more you stare at it, the more you'll see different things crawling around or different things sprouting out of the ground, tiny little burrows with little animals like tiger beetles and uh, Ngaro Huruhu, the, the native um, what, uh, bees that we have throughout the Orokunui. So, yeah, there are so many cool, smaller things to see, but it does require a little bit of slow down and, and look. Well, it's always so interesting every couple of weeks to catch up with uh, the good team at Orokunui Eco Sanctuary and to find out just exactly what is going on and encourage us, of course, to go and visit this wonderful place, the only cloud forest in New Zealand where native plants and animals can live in the wild without threat from introduced pests. Get out there, support the Eco Sanctuary, have a visit, and uh, if you're fortunate enough to catch up with some of the team out on the track, you can ask a few questions and you learn so much, and the fantastic volunteers are always wonderful uh, with supporting information around the things you're seeing and doing as well. Thank you, Taylor, for joining us again, and we look forward to catching up with the team from Orokanui uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks, Jeff. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.